Do not change your podcast dial. You are listening to the one and only one day closer to dead. But this week, we go to another time, dare I say, another dimension. A dimension as vast as space and timeless as infinity. It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of a man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area we used to call Jason's Hideout. Hello and welcome back to tonight's episode. Tonight's hideout is very, very special. This evening we have co-contributor Commander Cody Murray and the great David Beaudry with us tonight. And we're going to be discussing all sorts of wonderful things after something like seven or eight years not being on the set together. It has finally happened again. A wonderful reunion is happening this evening and I can't wait for you to hear all about how people are getting non-vaccinated, Delta's killing everybody, possibly talking about the great return of Jesus of Wrestling himself, and possibly some impressions we might have had when we went to L.A. as young men. And this is going to be tonight's episode. Jesus Christ, Jason, I forgot how much you used to talk on these goddamn things. Yeah, uh, Cody, you need to really introduce yourself. Uh, dozens don't know what the fuck is happening right now, so... Uh... Why don't, uh, why don't you say hello, Commander Cody? People have heard about you for a long time, but unless they are long-time knowers of us, uh, you are a bit of a mystery. Well, uh, thank you for the kind introduction segue, uh, Mr. Beaudry. Uh, greetings, dozens. Uh, I am not only a proud contributor, but also a member. Uh, I'm happy to be here. It's been, uh, what a ride, huh? Listening to these guys for the last, uh, what, hundred and... Four episodes. This is 103. There we go. 103. That was close. Um, I think I'm one or two behind, but uh, uh, good Lord. How dare you? I, well, I dare. <laughs> I dare. I continue to dare. Uh, I've listened to the Transformers, the movie soundtrack so many times in the last day. Dare is in my head. Dare to be stupid is in my head. Just dare and dare and dare and dare. So happy to be here. Um, yeah, let's get this party started, man. You know? Well, well, Jason, you remember me saying this in episodes past. Today is truly a historic episode, and Jason always loves when I start off episodes with that terminology. Cody, you are actually the second time that we have ever had a guest on this, epi- on this episode, on this program. Uh, the first was, of course, uh, President Biden. When he was promising two thousand dollar checks, so uh, that was that was our first guest, and and you, sir, are guest number two. Actually, that may be incorrect. I think I may be wrong, but I'm pretty sure on the cult of personality, Vince McMahon made a slight appearance. I may be wrong. Is, is that accurate or not, Dave? Uh, I wouldn't count that as really a guest appearance. I would say that was more of a cameo than anything oh, else. Okay. He, he was. Not, not really a solid contributor in any in any real kind of way. Uh, let, let, let me ask you real quick: If uh, Vince McMahon had promised two thousand dollar checks, would he have made an appearance on this show? No, because he would have. First of all, he would have stated that he was giving five thousand. He would have stated that he had given five thousand dollars. No one would have actually seen any money, 
And then like 10 years from now, Michael Cole would be bragging about how he had given $20,000 to every, every American. I think that's kind of like the attendance of WrestleMania three. It it would have been absolutely inflated and incorrect, but you know, that's, that's the WWE's way. I want to let all the uh, listeners out there know something real quick that uh, having Dave Baudry and Cody uh, on this show together with me is really a fantastic situation because for those of you who know a little bit about the history, that is really, in my opinion, the nucleus of Dave and I's coming together was the hideout episodes we did for YouTube. And uh, it was uh, Cody and I, and then we decided, hey, we need somebody to join us and uh, for wrestling more than anything else. And uh, it ended up that uh, Dave was uh, pretty good. We realized that he, uh, he could actually speak and things. And so look at all this that happened all Allegedly. these years later. So, yeah, it really, is a, it really is kind of a special moment for me. Well, I'll tell, you what the, I'll tell you what the special thing is for me to have this little uh, reunion on air. is actually right before we went on the air, Jason, while you were struggling to figure out how sound works. Technology uh, is the devil. Indeed. Cody and I were, were having a, a lovely conversation that, you were not privy to. And I have to say that I was truly overjoyed to learn Cody's true feelings about everyone's least favorite walking carpet and that horrible cheating Wookiee and the fact that Cody shared my animus towards that fucking furball and truly wished that he could also be, you know, hung in the public square. That just, that warmed the cockles of my heart. And uh, Cody, I would like to, to thank you very much for sharing that with me right before we went on the air. Okay, all of this is alleged. All right. What? Also, Chew- what? Whatever town square Chewie is in, he's hung. He's a Wookie. He's got a cock like a redwood. It touches the ground. No, we're talking Chewbacca. We're talking Chewbacca, not Jobacca. Yeah, we Go know. Put, I'll, okay. I'll take your potato, word on potato, yeah, potato. Okay. okay, like one is the same as the other. There Come we on. go. I, you know, Dave, it's just unbelievable. I, speaking of. Joe Baca, we actually just made a trip down south. We came to he came to Kentucky, uh, Cody here, and we decided to make the trip down to Tennessee and uh, see the wonderful Joe Baca, Joey Owens. We surprised the hell out of him, uh, and it was really fascinating to uh, to see. I think for Cody to see water and uh, anything green was fascinating. So pretty. It's so pretty. And a lot different Ironic, because your middle name is Rain, and you haven't seen Rain in years living in California. So ironic. Very ironic. Anyway, when we went down there to uh, surprise the fuck out of uh, Joe Baca, it was really cool. And it also made me think about uh, the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated and really get uh, get Cody's opinion on that uh, on this episode, because he's he's basically transversed three really been in three states in just the last uh, few days. And it'll be very interesting to see. But uh, we, we had a great time seeing Joe Baca and uh, we probably at least I can speak for myself. I ate, drank, and smoked more than I have ever done probably in a three- or four-day period, and that's saying something. So I'm definitely going to, after you leave, Cody, Commander Cody, I'm going to need to have a uh, some sort of cleanse and uh, maybe uh, go to rehab and uh, really just uh, give my lungs and liver a, a fucking break, honestly. Yeah, no, we, we, have, uh, we have binged, and low comes the purge. Uh, I ate three different kinds of pie today. Uh, I'm feeling a little sad about that, but honestly, Don't be sad. you got to be present in life and and take life by the lips and yank and just eat all that pie and do all the good things and then just vomit wherever you can. That, th- this is my flight home tomorrow. Well, this is really good diet advice. This is fa- is this why you're so thin? Whatever works, man. Whatever gets the Jesus. job done. So 
Look, let, let's get back to the issue at hand. I want to know, was Jobaka dressed up like the Tooth Fairy? <laughs> I'll take that as a yes. He was, uh, he was dressed. I'll give him that. Yeah, I mean, and that's, that's the best we can hope for. But, uh, yeah, it was, we did a really good job. We, we went to, this sounds very sleazy. We were in a hotel room. Oh, never. Oh, not me. Not Alpha J. We were in a hotel room. He came in. Oh, I was boy. like, hi. Gave him a big hug. He sat down. I said, I've got something for you in the bathroom. I walked into the bathroom oh, and out popped Commander Cody, like some sort of interdimensional portal something from the bathroom happened and uh i turned into was, commander cody what was the horror movie where the thing popped out of the toilet it wasn't gremlins Go- but it ghoulies? was like gremlins wanted. ghoulies ghoulies there yes. you go ghoulies and the stoolies there you are perfect yeah also uh my ninth grade prom so it was not a good luck really it was it was a bad night nice your date or something you ate uh i am not at liberty or both. to discuss both. this papers were signed true or Jason. All all three are possible. I mean, I've known him for a while, but not that long. <laughs> not that, that long. That I'm aware of. You not know, that so. long. Yeah. Fair enough. Jason, what are we doing this week? Uh, do we have feedback to go over? Are we getting into the down and dirty business of the week? How would you like to proceed? Well, uh, what I would like to say is the following. A lot of you guys out there have never seen Rambo. So that seems to be a big uh, part of the feedback. It was a well-listened-to episode last week, uh, and a lot of it, I think, uh, people wanted our take on Afghanistan. I was highly interested, Dave, in the fact that many of our listeners out there uh, blame squarely uh, the orange shithead Donald Trump. I mean, fully for all the Afghanistan shenanigans and uh, not taking care of the civilians, not getting them out on time. You would, I mean, you would think that Donald Trump was still our president and had complete control over what was happening. And uh, they weren't like completely pissed at us for, you know, drawing attention to the fact that Biden's the president during this uh, complete clusterfuck. But there was still a lot of, this is Donald Trump, still Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Donald Trump. Donald Trump is the worst Donald Trump. Okay, that's great. But anyway, this was on Biden's watch, correct? And then after that, a lot of people said, you know, I've never seen Rambo, but I'm going to now. So it's a lot like me with Training Day. It's uh, everybody else. First blood. Yeah, first blood. First blood, but okay. Rambo in general. They didn't say first right. blood. Yeah. They were just like, I'm going to watch Rambo. So any of it's good to go. Okay, that's that's fair. I, I would also say, like, yeah, sure, Trump absolutely shares culpability, but, like, let's not ignore the Obama or Bush years before him because that was a quagmire before he even took office. So mm. I despise Trump. But to say that it's solely Trump's fault or even mostly Trump's fault, I think, is... Uh, is a little bit cherry picking. I think they're picking cherries. I think there are cherries on the ground and they are picking them up. I hate cherries. And by the way, this, to me, it it really starts and ends with Bush taking us into Afghanistan in the first place. Totally. Like an angry, you know, semi-spastic child who's just lashing out at whatever they can find. I don't want to pick on angry, spastic children, but you get the drift because, you know, because of 9-11. Well, we didn't have anybody else to attack, so let's go fuck up Afghanistan and stick our dicks there, which didn't belong there, much like an electrical socket. 
But well, there was a reason to throw us back to Iraq, which is what his for sure, was. absolutely. Well, the the issue is with having Biden as the president, he could have walked into town and said, you know, all those those plans that you made with the fucking reality star asswipe. Uh, yeah, no, we're we're scrapping that, and we we have a new idea. We're actually going to take a full year at getting everyone who helped us do uh, a lot of bullshit over there out first. Get all the Afghans, you know, uh, citizens out first that assisted us in this 20-year-old occupation. And then from there, we'll start getting our uh, military out. And so I think a lot of people, we need to tell the, the dozens again or the listeners that it, it was, we don't, at least I'm speaking for me and I think Dave as well, is we don't disagree. We have never disagreed that the fucking war, we need, we need to get out of Afghanistan. Um, it is in the manner in which it's being conducted and the time frame in which they decided to do it in. So uh, that's really the issue. But uh, those were the two bits of feedback. But it was a, an extremely well listened to episode uh, to get our ideas on Afghanistan. But it always amazes me uh, how much people out there um, blame hangnails and uh, abortions and um, bad, you know, indigestion on Donald Trump to this day. And it's really just I find it amazing that he is, I guess, our forever boogeyman. Well, speaking of well-listened to, did I just hear somebody crack a beverage over there? No, that was my knee. Uh-huh. No, uh, it, yeah. it was uh, a sparkling, ice-cold, refreshing LaCroix. Uh, plain beverage. Uh, it uh, helps keep me going. Oh, no judgment on that. I was just saying, normally a beverage doesn't get cracked on this show unless it gets announced first. I was very, so I was I was very just... thirsty. I didn't want to interrupt either of you. I just needed some goddamn water. Okay, back and off. I, well, well, I, said, well, I, I know all the, all this talk about Jason in the bathroom had to make you very thirsty, well, Cody. I needed, You're very okay, thirsty. On, on, that, note, thing, my on that note, I needed to make a quick announcement myself that tonight, or whenever you listen to this, but I guess it's really tonight, two for one. On Alpha J, all right? Special special screening. Special. Check it out. And I'm going to tell you something right now. Them, them canceling that, what is it? The only fans. The only fans. I was, and we are out of time, uh, listen, ladies and gentlemen. I almost, it's my turn to sing, McMahon. I almost had that entire channel up and running. You were going to get to see parts of Alpha J that you could only imagine before. But now, of course, I got to go. And run Pornhub full-time again, so... Bullshit. There you are. But at any rate, thank you very much for that feedback, guys. And and it wasn't, like... They weren't pissy with us. It was just, no. you know, they... Um, Jason, we're having I, a conversation. Yeah, they were like, oh, Jason, I think you missed the... It, it's Donald Trump's fault. No, it's not. Okay, thank you, but uh, we we don't... Yeah, great. And then it was like, uh, Rambo, I don't... Rambo, I think I'll watch it. Okay, good. I just summed up most of our feedback. So, but like I said, thank you very much for your opinions. We love them. You know where you can reach us. I think. Ask oh, man. Dave and Jason at Proton Mail because, <laughs> well, god damn it, protons. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, ladies and gentlemen, fire up. I, the- I didn't even know if that was dot com dot org dot net dot gov. Jesus Christ! <laughs> this is a. This is a, the show is a dumpster the fire. The show is Jason, a dumpster fire. You know if you fuck with the formula just enough. Anyway, fire up those proton packs, ladies and gentlemen, because you can always contact us at askdaveandjason at protonmail.com. Because, well, god damn it. Fuck you, Dr. Cosby. Thank you. Thank you. That's, that's what I like to it's hear. Okay. So what, this is what the pros do, Cody. So it's okay. I am oh, wow. uh, amateur. No, I mean, I'm not, who am I to disagree? All right, so there you go. But uh, that was the feedback, Dave. 
I mean, Cody's getting paid for this episode. Jason sure as shit is. No, I'm not. I paid him in LaCroix. I am earning my keep uh, on Alpha J at Porno Hub later on. I need shaved and waxed. Can we move on? With yes, this, I'm please? sorry. Can Forgive do. me. The world is a dumpster fire, Jason. Back to our regularly scheduled fucking programming. I don't know if you knew that. Cody, did you know that? I did. Did you know why, Mr. Two Episodes Behind? Because it truly fucking is. Shatner couldn't have done it any yeah, That is goddamn so. right. He could not. It's like a transforming man moment. So, um, Jason... Mm. How would you like to address today's dumpster fire? Because uh, I think you have perspective on it. Cody, in his travels, has perspective on it over the last several days. I'm, I'm especially imagining, especially during however many airports you've been to. Uh, and uh, how about y'all set the table, and then I'll, uh, I'll come in and back clean up. Absolutely. Well, we'll need it. What I really wanted to address tonight was that, and we I think we've been wanting to talk about it for a little while, um, but really what I think we need to address finally is if you don't have the fucking vaccination, it's not, it's way, way past goddamn time, okay? Um, I've, I think that it's interesting how much I've been watching on the news and then also uh, reading op-eds and also friends and family who are in the medical profession have finally, completely, truly just lost all goddamn sympathy for basically these people coming in on their last fucking breath. They're, they cannot breathe at all, period, because they are ravaged with the Delta Blues variant of cotton candy. And here they are. And the first question that the medical uh, assistants and all the medical personnel ask is, did you get vaccinated? And they are saying overwhelmingly, those that are admitted to the hospital say no, that they have not. And I forget which newspaper this was, but an op-ed came out that I guess would have been just controversial and insane a couple months ago. But everyone just kind of went, yeah, absolutely. Where it was either a doctor or a nurse that said a year ago when people came in and were dying of COVID, that it was the worst basically shit they'd ever seen in their entire profession. And it was just emotionally just ravaged them because of the, the, the way that people were dying and that they couldn't save them. It was just, it's a plague. It's a fucking pandemic and it was horrible. And now he's saying a year from now, a year later, right now, it's hard for me to even have sympathy to even pretend that I give a shit. And of course, I'm paraphrasing in Jason speak, but that's really what he said, is that we've had enough. They come in and we ask them, why didn't you get vaccinated? Because uh, I don't believe in it. Okay. Or they're saying, I didn't find time. Didn't find fucking time. Get the fuck out of here. And that everyone I'm talking to, I got a call, uh, basically a FaceTime call uh, from my sister, who is a nurse. And she's like, it's unbelievable. She goes, I just, I'm worried for myself at this point even though I'm vaccinated uh, because I'm in the medical profession and everyone around me who's dying, all of them are unvaccinated. Everything around me, I'm just surrounded by, by COVID and all these people Jason, who don't care. What? For context, does she live in Kentucky as well? No, she doesn't. She lives in Texas. 
Okay, so, and the thing is that, you know, listening to Edward, uh, Dr. Eddie Gizmo Gomez, he's saying Chicago's fairly good at this point because they got hit so hard at the beginning uh, that most people have got the double vax and they're wearing the masks and they've got that shit under control. But as per most mogged up states, uh, this is just happening in Louisiana and Arkansas and Texas, and it's just fucking out of control when we were in Tennessee, in Johnson City, Tennessee, beautiful city, uh, half the fucking people, I imagine, are mogged up, maybe more. Uh, it was so bad in the, the hospital that they have there, which is a humongous medical facility, they had to bring in the National Guard just to facilitate everything, because it just there was, there was an onslaught of COVID people coming in that they just could not handle with their regular personnel. And this is, of course, uh, clogging up the works for people who are still having, you know, heart attacks, strokes, cancer, pregnancies, yeah, run-of-the-mill big-time fucking problems. So all these unvaccinated fucks, and at this point, fuckers, you're fucks. You need to go get vaccinated. And I don't even know why I'm mad about this because it's too goddamn late. You should have already done it. And not to sound like an even bigger prick than I usually am, but really, you're seeing Darwinism in its finest motherfucking form at this point. And I just thought, you know what, we should probably mm, talk slash rail on these motherfuckers this time, because it's finally completely gotten out of goddamn control. And what's interesting is to talk about it with Commander Cody here, you know, he's got to see several locations with several people because of certain events, and it would be interesting to get his perspective on it from uh, being the traveler of the three of us during this uh, during this moment in, in history. Cody, how many airports have you been to in the last few days, and how have those airports differed from one another? Uh, one, two, three. Uh, had a connecting flight from Burbank to uh chicago midway and then flew into louisville and then tomorrow i'll fly out from louisville to denver to burbank so that four altogether so um yeah it's uh i i've seen a, a fairly good amount of masking uh the vaccination is is hard to assess other than if you're speaking right, with people yeah. uh or you know pulling up their shirts and looking for stick marks and so forth uh but um yeah, I, I was fairly encouraged with the amount of, of mask wearing overall, even in Tennessee, which has horrific numbers right now because people aren't getting vaxxed and just stubborn and whatever other shit. There were more people wearing masks than I thought there would be. So that was nice. However, on one of my flights, uh, there was a woman sitting in front of us. And of course, you know, when you log in to uh, to get your boarding pass and, and check in and such, you have to agree to all these COVID protocols, wear your mask, wash your yes. hands, et cetera, et cetera, for the entirety of the flight. So you've agreed, you've signed all this shit away. Um, and they even go over it on the, on the loudspeaker, you know, uh, before takeoff and such. And this woman in front of us, uh, blatantly not wearing her mask, everybody else, every single other person is wearing it. There's a couple of dick noses, you know, those people that don't wear the mask over their noses. We're, call oh, yes. we're calling them dick noses these days. Kilroy's. There you go. Uh, I always like to refer to them as Bailey's personally, but that's just my own my own pet name. Continue. Yes, please continue. Keep so petting yourself. Very good. Uh, anyhow, uh, at, at a certain point in the flight, and it was it was a short flight from Chicago down, my, my wife was with me, and she was holy fucking shit angry. Like, I... I, I she... 
I'll just say I was scared. I'm like, I could feel the heat radiating off her body, vibrating with fury at this person's just careless disregard, her cavalier attitude, if you will, about not... Good throwback. Yeah, you're welcome. About not... I listen. Um... To the point where we're, we're only 20 minutes out and she just she rang for the, the uh, flight attendant. Like, this, this woman has not been wearing her mask the whole time. It was, I mean, it's just, it's dumber than a bag of dumb hammers. Not even just normal hammers that are pretty stupid, but dumb fucking hammers. I, I thought she smelled a little bit like uh, Chablis. She definitely had an air of alcohol around her and she, she did weird behavior. So, you know, maybe she wasn't in her right mind, but look. The bottom line is anybody who is going out in public spaces not at least masking up is not in their right mind. Whatever whatever their brain is telling them, whatever their QAnon bullshit is telling them, it's just it's infuriating. The problem I have then is when you go to when you get on a flight or when you go to a restaurant, when you go to a 7-Eleven, who the fuck is supposed to enforce this? Because it's not right to ask the flight attendants to do this. Are we all supposed to do this as individuals, like citizens arrest sort of, sort of shit? Because I don't know what that other person is going to do <laughs> to me. Fight, flight, or fuck it, Jason. Yeah. <laughs> Chuck it in the fuck it bucket. You can't do Like, again, like if you're going to do the right thing, and Lord knows, Dave, you want to do the right thing all of the fucking time, which I respect. But put in this situation, like when when my wife was getting ready to throw down with this lady in front of her, I'm like, oh fuck, who am I gonna have to choke out? Like I don't. (laughs) Someone's gonna need a fucking oxygen mask real soon. I don't know if it's one of these two or if it's me, but some shit is about to happen. Either gonna be from COVID or the sleeper. Exactly. It just it's could be both. It could be both. You know. So um, it's 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 a real mixed bag. And 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 real quick. Where I live now, up in the mountains, uh, it's kind of the same attitude um, as it yeah. is in uh, various. Can I say redneck states? Is that sure? A whatever you want to sure. say. It's our show. So it's a mix of you know artistic liberal hippie folk and MAGA dipshits, um, and it's real unnerving that that attitude is so prevalent in so many places. You know, it doesn't matter if it's down here in the southish area or if it's in california or wherever you know people just it just it sucks you know and there's what are we supposed to do about it you know other than i have this idea for uh taking army snipers and having them shoot vaccination darts into people that we can identify through gps and uh, such so um that that's that's been my experience so far and um well yeah my my five G has still not been working worth a damn. So this has been the like most disappointing conspiracy in the history of fucking conspiracies. But I, I'll say I'll say this. This will sound like an exaggeration, but it isn't. I have I have two separate friends who uh, individually have I think at least like four or five different autoimmune conditions each. I'm I'm not about to pretend to know the specifics of their individual medical situations, but those are very very legitimate. Um, one of them I can say with confidence, I know is not vaccinated partially, you know, because of concerns about the specifics regarding their immune system. The other, I honestly don't know whether she is or isn't. I know she would, I think if it was recommended by her doctor, but she also was pregnant during the pandemic and like, there's a lot going on there. So I, I understand in select circumstances where vaccination 
is legitimately concerning, you know, in regards to people's medical situations. And like, I, I have seen that. And also there's a friend of mine who has had longstanding cancer issues who could not get vaccinated, who is now dealing with uh, COVID-19 and is having a really rough time with it. Again, not her choice, you know? Um, so I, I am reluctant to point to paint all unvaccinated people with the same brush um, you know, obviously there are medical exceptions. I know several of them, um, you know, same like, you know, when the mask mandates first went into effect, there were people who legitimately had severe asthma or had severe anxiety to the point where they just physically could not wear one. I understand that as well. There's exceptions to every rule, but I think it's fair to say that we're not addressing those specific types of, of circumstances. I, I'm not one who can really speak to, you know, uh, pregnant ladies getting vaccinated or the timing of when they do compared to when they shouldn't, or I know none of that. So I'm not going to have an opinion on it. Um, you know, I leave that to the, the medical community, but what annoys me more than anything is all right, either because of a medical situation or because of some other scenario that maybe none of our business or whatever, someone's choosing not to get vaccinated. Okay. But when those same people are also not wearing masks and are also going out into public and are also taking all of the kind of rights and privileges that society has gradually clawed back over the last year because of all these sacrifices that have had to be made while taking none of the precautions, that's where I have a real fucking problem. It's like, okay, if you, for whatever reason, cannot or don't want to get vaccinated, then in the very least, follow mask protocols and avoid, you know, large crowds and social gatherings and like follow the basic protocols because there's no reason why you can't do one of those things. And that's where I really lose my patience on the on the situation. Make sense? Uh, absolutely. And to uh, just give you one, one quick story of an experience like that, I was up in my my dwelling area and uh, there's a common clubhouse thing with uh, has a rec room with like ping pong tables and pool tables and board games and such for for the tourists that come in that that stay in the area or for the locals or whatever and this was maybe a month or so ago before delta really started rearing its ugly head and uh, there was a few weeks where i was felt comfortable taking off my mask i felt a weird sort of peer pressure if that makes sense in places where i was the only one that was wearing a mask i'm like is it should i am i the fucking weirdo like uh, uh. sure and cdc <laughs> guidance was yeah was saying similar exactly like it things had relaxed things felt good okay fine i'll take my mask off but at the same time i'm going to carry it around with me just in case so i go yep. i go into this little rec room and it's it's not very big and there's a, uh, uh, I got my mask off and there's a dad playing ping pong with his kid and they both got their masks on and I throw my mask on right away, just out of kind of respect and such. And, uh, you know, it's the right thing to do. So then the, uh, the woman who runs the rec center comes out, she's got a mask on and she tells me like, here's all our stuff and blah, 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 blah. And you don't, you don't have to wear a mask in here, but if you feel comfortable with it, great. You know, I'm like, yeah, well, you know, mostly it's out of respect and concern for other people's well-being. And the dad stopped mid-ping-pong game. And we all know how difficult it is to stop mid-ping-pong, right? And he puts his paddle down and he turns to me and just starts clapping. And it just, it gave me 
it made me feel really good that another human being could actually relate to the sentiment that I was trying to put out there. You know, like it's not, it's not about me. It's about all of us. You know, we all have to take care of each other and be respectful of one another, whether or not, you know, we believe in this fucking COVID or not. It's, it's real. It's happening. Just be fucking cool to each other. Be looking out because that's the only way to, uh, to get this done, you know? It's the it's the arrogance of non-scientific people that are saying the science isn't there that are really irritating me. Now, obviously, in anything scientific or medical, you know, it's very rare that you'll get 100% consensus on anything. That's the nature of science. However, when you have, like, like the fucking uh, L.A. County sheriff saying, we're not going to enforce the mask mandates because it's not supported by science. You're not a scientist, motherfucker. How do you know what the science does or doesn't support? Like, if, if I, I find the people who hide behind those arguments when they actually don't know, like, science theory or what is actually going on in that community, I, th that's where I get really fucking frustrated. Like, is, the, is that none of the discourse is happening in good faith. And they'll just move the goalposts every time, you know, that it's it's convenient just because they don't feel like doing it. And that's that's more than anything, I think, where where my annoyance or, or frustration comes in. And, you know, like it's it's hilarious to me that a lot of the same people that are like, oh, I don't live my life in fear. Coincidentally, are the same ones that insist on open carrying like a shotgun into a fucking supermarket like. Oh, really? You're not living in fear. Hmm. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Uh, Jason, any final thoughts? And I think we can move on unless uh, there's anything else. Either one of you fine gentlemen, and I use that term very loosely, would like to add. Well, I am loose. But uh, the thing is that what I'd really like to say is that's all very pretty and, uh, you know, very nice of what, what uh, Commander Cody said and yourself, and I agree with that. But I can tell you uh, from my uh, direct uh, basically dealings of the public that everyone that is not vaccinated and I'm, I'm at this point, I just don't even give a fuck. I'm like, why, why? Well, because it's the pandemic. It's just a big fake and it's planned and it's the flu and shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. So no, I haven't run into anybody that I've worked with or that has, I've met in any of my dealings in the last few months that I don't find out that they're, you know, they go, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not vaccinated because I have an immunocompromised, blah, blah, fuckity, blah. It's always fucking political. In, in my personal experience of this, it has been politicized and was very fucking weird to me, Dave. I, I would just throw this out there is I'm not sure if people remember, realize, have kids, not really fucking sure that before you can even send a kid to college, you need to have all their immunizations, all of them, okay, before they can even go to college, before they can go to elementary fucking school. You have fucking soldiers who are refusing to take it. Who, when they sign up to and they're in the military, they get vaccinations against god-awful shit in third world countries. They get a peanut butter-like substance shoved up their ass. That doesn't sound so bad, actually. But the thing is that it, they give them so much Focus, stuff. Jason. I'm trying. They give so much immunization against shit. But because this became fucking politicized, because this became red versus blue, urban versus rural, conservative versus liberal, 
This is what it has come down to. And I'm telling you, for all this bullshit that there's like, it's a, it's made up, it's fake, it's the flu, it's the pandemic, this is what they want us to do, it's all made up, I'm not dying from COVID, <coughs> I can't breathe, all this bullshit that they're doing, I'm serious when I tell the medical community out there, I fucking get it, I feel for you the ones who are vaccinated themselves, who are absolutely goddamn done with the public, who come in there dying, who have not been vaccinated. Assholes, we all have the same motherfucking information. Yeah, I uh, I understand that as well. And I mean, I can only, I can only imagine the utter just exhaustive yeah. frustration of dealing with that particular issue every single day for the last what 18 months uh and you know on top of that exhaustion just to begin with like what you were saying earlier on jason about how they didn't even know how to treat it beginning on the beginning so there was nothing they could do when people came in um you know on top of that to now have people just blatantly you know i've, I've heard a slight sidebar but it goes with what we were talking about i i don't know if it was from the same uh op-ed that you were talking about earlier, but it was from one recently where at least someone, I don't know if it was a medical community person or, or just a, a columnist, had suggested that basically if someone, you know, for non-medical reasons was refusing to get vaccinated, then they really should not be admitted into the ER if they come in with COVID symptoms. That's, I believe um, it's the same one and it is, it is someone in the medical industry. I believe you're, quote, be. you're taking from the same one because they were like, why even come in? Like, sorry, we have other people they have breakthrough uh, infections that we need to take care of. Or there's shit like, you know, pregnancies and heart fucking conditions and, you know, regular shit that we need to save their lives. And you had the fucking info. Well, I have several friends who are pregnant right now, and I know at least one of them is is getting close to the the due date. And they were supposed to, you know, I'm not sure if it was it was because of a medical reason or, or you know, I, I can't pretend to know someone's personal, you know, medical situation, but I do know that there was a plan to induce the pregnancy on a certain point. And I do know that that um, got canceled because the hospital was overrun with COVID cases. So therefore they can't do that. And my friend is very frustrated with this situation and I fully understand and agree with that. It's everybody want, not everybody, but speaking in the general sense of everybody, everybody wants this, you know, personal freedom with none of the accountability that goes with it. And I always have found that incredibly frustrating, but I will also say this is not the first time in our lifetimes that we have seen a pandemic outbreak become extremely politicized. The AIDS virus would have been handled very differently if it were not perceived to be a predominantly quote-unquote gay virus when it first uh, started affecting various members of community. If that was affecting like Christian white dudes, do you think we might not have had like a full-on cure for this shit like fucking 15, 20 years ago at least? Well, so it's it's a weird thing where tragedy always gets politicized. Uh, pandemics, unfortunately, it's not the first time it's been politicized. So Trump obviously played a huge role in that, but I don't think he was the sole factor, or that that wouldn't have happened to some degree if there had been someone else in office. No, you're you're absolutely right, totally right. Uh, but the thing is, I always say about you know cotton candy is the one thing, and this is not one hundred percent 
you know, completely true or accurate. But the one thing that we were sort of fortunate with is that we didn't see a bunch of little tiny body bags. It was mostly older people, 60 and above, particularly at the beginning of the cotton candy outbreak, the consumption of this wonderful sweet treat, that older people were dying, okay? Then it started working its way down the chain. And I would always say, you know what? If we started seeing children dying in mass, boy, it wouldn't matter if you were fucking liberal or conservative. We get on top of that shit real fucking quick. Would we? Yes, I would. We I think that because look at school shootings. No, kids are getting think, shot on a regular I think basis. That, not the same thing. I but. think that Americans, we cannot stand to see any sort of mass death of children or animals. We have a real fucking problem seeing it. And the thing is, now that we've gone. A year and a half later, and this Delta variant is now a new kind of version of cotton candy. You know, the blue kind, not the pink. And it is now affecting children. We still haven't seen mass death of children, but we are seeing them infected. And you really start to wonder, like, what's it going to fucking take? How many deaths is it going to take for you to realize, you MAGA zombie asswipes, that this is real? And and honestly, the rant that I have on this show right now and the reason why I want to talk about it is because... Because it's it's just it's long fucking overdue, and I really have my heart goes out to the medical community out there who is just they're fucking done. They're just quitting because they're like we have nothing more to goddamn give, and we're tired of saving people who don't even want to fucking save themselves. Well, it's also who doesn't show the same respect because a lot of the times the people that are coming into the hospitals are also coming in maskless and coughing on the nurses and doctors that are trying to treat them. And, you know, it, it, they're dealing with, to a degree, the, the same level of absolute clusterfuckery that the, you know, poor airline workers are having to deal with. And I mean, none of that shit's fun. So, you know, you, you kind of lose your uh, motivation to do no harm when the people you're supposed to do no harm to are harming the fuck out of yeah. you. So I certainly think that's a complex psychological mechanism. Um, any final thoughts, Cody? And then I, I then we can throw it to the dozens for any feedback that they do or do not want to get. I, I would just like to say that those people that come into hospitals maskless and coughing and stuff, stuff like that, to be fair, they just didn't have time to pick up a mask. So, you know, it's a really hard life. It is. It is. <laughs> uh, so, dozens, you know where you can contact us. I'm sure we'll probably, one or all of us, will repeat it again before this show is over. <laughs> But in the meantime, you know, we were just speaking about dead children, so let's talk about something happier. Childhood is dead. I don't know if you gentlemen were aware of that. And one of the things that goes with childhood is the, the big dream of California, especially coming from the Midwest. Sorry, Cody, you can't relate. But uh, Los Angeles, California dreaming. Jason, I know you know what I'm talking about. And um, how was the reality different from what you pictured it would be, my man? Well, the thing is that um, I had with, uh, you know, Kike and Steve and all of us living in uh, New York City for several years, uh, being completely done with that environment, uh, we were all starting to make that trek out to Los Angeles. So the idea was that we were going to go to LA and this was in the late nineties. And um, what was interesting is, of course, all I knew about LA is what I had seen in movies growing up and things of this nature. So, so you had a very realistic expectation of what you were one hundred fucking percent. I mean, I saw Pretty Woman. I knew how it was out there. So the thing is that um, when I finally went there in the summer of nineteen ninety eight, 
I was really fascinated with the idea. I just couldn't believe, A, how fucking hot it was, not knowing that that would increase exponentially, you know, as the fucking years went on. And um, it just seemed like the sun lived there in Los Angeles. Like, if the sun had a home, it was Los Angeles, California. And um, Confirming, not talking in the religious sense. Uh, no. Uh, although, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's in Sun Valley. Sun Valley. Yeah. Yes, yeah, where he, he has arisen. But um, it was very hot, very sunny. And I was also struck by the idea that it wasn't really a city. How I, how I thought of coming, you know, obviously living in New York City for four years, it was just a conglomerate of um, towns that were just shoved the fuck together. So it was very strange because like every tourist or every family member or friend that ever visited me, I think they were expecting to go to the part of uh, fucking L.A. that you'd see at the beginning of the A-Team which at the time was the L.A. skyline. I remembered it from the A-Team, and it was about five buildings. Five. And that's what they would show you. Like, wow, it's a city. And they were all banks. Yeah, they were all banks. And you'd just be like, that's not even, I don't even know. I think they're props. I don't think anyone goes down there. So it was very strange. And uh, going to Burbank in particular, I knew because of my hairstylist in uh, Tennessee, he used to do hair for people uh, on set and had said, fuck that. Boy, he was smarter than all of us decades ago. Got out, lived in Johnson City. And he, I said, listen, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm moving to L.A. Um, where should I go? And he had lived there for decades. He said, well, you want to go somewhere safe. You want to go somewhere fairly cheap, cheaper to live. <laughs> Who knew there was a thing back then in L.A.? And, uh, he, and he said, I would recommend... Um, Burbank or Glendale. Now, the only thing I knew Burbank from was that like Johnny Carson uh, basically taped his show from Burbank because they announced it. I uh, didn't know anything. I will have I will have you know, Jason, Roger Murtaugh's cat is named Burbank yes, I know. in the Lethal We're Weapon We're very series. well aware of that. You, you would know that, but we know that too. Uh, and then um, Glendale, I'd never heard of. So this is how fucking stupid this whole thing was. We were just driving until we got to the exit that said Burbank. And it was Burbank Street that went into fucking Burbank. Very close to where you live now. No sleep till Burbank. Burbank. (laughs) (laughs) So this is how it all fucking started. And I was just amazed by, boy, this is not like I expected. It's not a fucking... It's not a city at all. I mean, it is a city, but not in the traditional sense like you would you would normally think. It really is like how, you know, they describe in Demo- Demolition Man that, uh, you know, San Francisco and San, Angeles. San, Angela, San Diego. Yeah, and San Diego and whatever the fuck it was all merges into one because it just keeps spreading the fuck out. But that is the one thing that was very interesting to me and um, just how the idea of Hollywood, which by the way, for all of you listening out there, not much of any fucking thing gets done in Hollywood as far as the making of a goddamn motion picture. That was also a big goddamn revelation. Paramount's there. Paramount, but I mean, not people think that you have to move to Hollywood to be an actor and live like, you know, right above the the sidewalk of the stars. And um, that was one. And also that uh, that A-Team skyline was pretty much, uh, you're seeing the five buildings, particularly at the time. So these were some of my first um, ideas of LA. I was happy about how cheap it was in comparison 
to New York City, but that was 1998 within five, 10 years. Holy fuck. So those were my first impressions of now what kind of I call my my home. It's sort of my hometown is, is, is LA, but they were some of my very first impressions as a young man in my early 20s. I have a statement and then a question, yeah. Jason. First, the statement. The statement is, I heard on the radio today, actually, the uh, in the markets that had the most expensive apartments in the United States. New York City was number one. San Francisco was number two. The difference average was of $10. <laughs> I forget the exact amount, but it was like, I think I want to say New York was like $2,810 or something, and San Francisco was like $2,800 even. It was a difference of $10, and it was like astronomical, and they were the number one and number two. That was just as of today. That's that's the statement. The question, what was the difference between your expectation versus reality experience of moving to New York versus moving to L.A.? Moving to, well, I'll tell you what it is really is New York was fantastic for just life uh, being Jason Bailey because I was there between 18 and 21. So to be 18, 19, 20, 21 years old and live in, in, I mean, the first two years I lived in Manhattan, I live on the Upper West Side in a YMCA room. This pretty much set my course for uh, Alpha J, but um, I was paying $800 a month for a room I mean, like three telephone booths shoved together with a community bathroom. And that was a fucking steal because you were on the Upper, the upper West Side. That changed I mean, within a year or two. They shut that down because like, fuck this. This is too cheap and we're not doing it anymore. So I got in on that. And then the next two years, we lived in Astoria, Queens. We just got a house, rented it from a cop there. And it was good as far as life stuff. And I knew what to expect. It was cleaner than I thought because I fell in love with New York city really from Superman, the movie and the equalizer. I watched every fucking season of the equalizer and went, I love that. It looks like Gotham city. That's where I want to go live and die. And, uh, so I was actually a better experience, but what was interesting as far as actor acting is there wasn't a lot of it, to be honest with you. There was a lot of fucking training, and there was a lot of professional theater that you had to be in equity and up and running and shit like that to get in. But as far as filming and TV and shit like that, not a whole fuck ton of that. So that was why we were like, we need out of here, because ultimately we want to be on camera. We want out of here. And we knew LA had to be cheaper. That was, and the weather fucking sucked. I didn't realize, and this is stupid, how goddamn cold New York really is. There'd be times I'd be on the, the platform in Astoria of the subway and just be like, I don't even know how fucking civilization began here. I don't. It's too goddamn cold. But then going to California, landing in Burbank, uh, I was surprised by once again how cheap it was at the time and also how relatively easy. It was to kind of, you maybe not get real acting work, but you could get in front of a camera as a stand-in, an extra background, something like that. Porn. Yeah, porn. Porn. Absolutely. You go to Van Nuys and you're you're set. But um, uh, North Hollywood. (laughs) Yeah, good times. Chatsworth. Shout out Chatsworth. (laughs) Yeah. But the thing is that what I, uh, that was really what was weird is I got my SAG card. Well, I mean within a month of being in LA and I heard from everyone like, well, it'll take years to get your SAG card. 
And I got it, boom, done. And I was like, fuck, this is easy. Little did I fucking know. But uh, that was the the difference. And honestly, things were just a lot more, it was just a lot easier. I remember getting uh, our apartment in uh, Eagle Rock and they want. They were like, well, you guys don't have jobs. We can't rent to you. I had literally carried something like five to $6,000 in cash inside this teddy bear that we ended up using for Osito, AG bear in, 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 uh, in Luther for president. You could see that prop in there. And, uh, I, it was, we just pulled out a teddy bear. I'm sure they thought we were going to shank him or something. And I opened it up and just said, we need, we need to live here. We need an apartment. Nothing sketchy about and, that. At and all, what's folks. funny is they were just like, done so i mean it was just a lot easier it just seemed like my god the more it's change, free the more they stay the yeah same. but at any rate those were the impressions versus what happened simpler times uh, simpler times cody your first la experiences that you can recall especially compared to whatever you were expecting you uh well let me start by saying uh i grew up that is what expecting means jason I, except sometimes it means something else anyhow uh that was exceptional if you're pre- if you're pregnant congratulations well it's it's I funny i want to know how that's it's possible. really funny to me that you mentioned a uh, due date of a pregnant woman earlier because that's where we met bro like that that takes me back due date go watch it kids it's a good t- i have no idea it looked like it's not a good, it, it does looked not terrible. Look like it looked movie. terrible. I never yeah. watched it. Either. No, but it brought me and Dave together. And then I brought these two together and here we are. And Bob's your uncle, I guess. Uh, anyhow, so, uh, just background. I grew up in the North, uh, of California and that's kind of like growing up in the North in game of Thrones and then going to King's landing for any game of Thrones nerds. Um, well, what was shocking about that to me, Cody, also, is the fact that you despise the 49ers so much. I never would have guessed you that. That you were from, nor- you were from the northern, straight up you were from the northern California area. I never I knew would have this guessed was going to happen. Such a Everyone hatred. calm down. Let's focus. Don't kill each other. Anyway. Back to you. First you hate Wookiees, then you hate the oh, 49ers. Dave, I'm learning so much. No just, just as long as you keep loving yourself, that's all that matters. So back to what... what <laughs> no one else will continue. At least so you admit we're... that. We got that on tape, right? right? Can you get back to whatever the fuck? So anyhow, uh, night and day as far as uh, weather, culture, everything, it was uh, like going to a different world. Uh, all desert. Uh, I moved down in January, I think, of 2003. And when I went over to central casting to figure out what the fuck to do to be an actor. It was 97 degrees. And I'm like, oh, this is fucking bad. I am from the north. I wear jackets. I am built to live in the ocean and and hike mountain. This is fucking shitty as, oh my, what the fuck? And at the time, my 87 Toyota pickup, Pepe, rest in power, uh, did not have air conditioning. Uh, One of the windows rolled up. The other one rolled up if you held both sides of the window with the door open. So that was really difficult on the freeways. Um, as far as like lifestyle in the acting world and all, like it was just, it was, it was a whole different reality. You know, um, I got took by some scumbag trying to like, you know, like, Hey, if you give me $150 and I'll get you in front of the camera kind of thing. And I'm like, all right, you know, blah, 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 blah. And uh, when they say you've paid your dues, like, you know, that's one of those moments. I'm like, okay, don't don't just jump at anything. Find some legitimacy. And the, that's that's what I've discovered over the years, too. It's like there's not a lot of legitimacy in that town. There's people that can talk a really good game, and you can kind of just 
cross your fingers and hope that you're making a good choice. But um, I, you know, there there are pockets of LA that uh, were were impressive, were were beautiful, had had great, uh, you know, Art Deco architecture or whatever. And you you can find just about anything there if you have a lot of gas and a lot of patience because it's a big, sprawling, you know, mega city. It's, you know, what, 10 cities kind of mashed together. And really, if you keep going south to Anaheim, it's, you know, another 12 cities in between. So it's just, it, it's insane. But you can find just about anything you can imagine somewhere in there. Um, you know, the acting world was... Uh, confusing and scary and the best thing that i ever learned was like if you want to make it in the acting world go fucking act you know go do a play go do a this or that don't just get trapped in the central casting loop which i did thank you very much um but uh i don't know i i I really wouldn't trade the experience i might have cut and run a little bit earlier i might have made different decisions but you know chasing after this uh this dream, this, this, this yen, like, you know, it's, it's my life. It was a good, uh, it's been a good run. And, uh, I've, I've met some, uh, phenomenal people. Uh, like I was talking to Jason the other day that the quote from Michael Bean and the rock, right? We spilled the same blood and the same mud. And there is something about meeting people in this industry, going through the same shit that you can really make a connection with, you know? Um, there's other people that'll steal your wallet when you're not looking, but, uh, you know. And sometimes they're the same person. Most often. I want my $20 back, you cock. Anyhow. Um, He's talking to you, Jason. Yeah, he knows. So. Uh, anyhow, that's kind of my impressions of the place. And, uh, yeah, just, just hot. Just always, always, always hot. I will say one last thought, though. Um, my favorite part about winter in L.A., was watching it on TV because like there were times I'd go out and have to put on a pair of socks and that was a real bother. But uh, winters in LA were pretty goddamn good. I will just say very quickly, Jason, you okay over there? You look like I'm very good. I'm trying to get out of the way because if you, if the listeners could see this, Cody and I have to pretty much be too bad from fucking He-Man. You know, the They're Siamese we look twins like Siamese right now, twins. We're that close to one fucking microphone with sharing a headset. It's ridiculous. It's so, getting hot in here. So take off all your clothes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Alpha J tonight. 12. Bring your tokens. Back to you, Dave. I'm sorry, I was just washing my ears out with bleach. Excuse me. Uh, anyway, uh, as I was saying before, I was so rudely interrupted. I can't believe it, Jason. I never interrupt you. How dare you? But anyway, um, yeah, that's right. I don't really have anything to add. No, I'm kidding. So I didn't have any real, like, come-to-Jesus surprises when I moved to L.A. because I honestly purposely came in with no... with no. When I say no expectations, I mean that in the sense of I didn't have any preconceptions, per se. I knew I had never really, outside of like the visit where I did apartment hunting for like a month beforehand, uh, I didn't have any like preconceptions or like I knew I had never really been there before, but that there was nothing keeping me in the Midwest. So therefore, why not do it? But I also thought it was important to know what I didn't know. And I didn't know most things in regards. So I I wasn't surprised, like in all seriousness, I wasn't really surprised by anything because um, I didn't really have any type of preconceived notion that I was relying on. I really just kind of took it like one, one day at a time for better or worse. 
Um, so my, you know, story in that regard is, is I guess more boring than most in the sense that there wasn't any real, like I was expecting blah, blah, blah. Like, nah, I really kind of wasn't. Um, all right, moving on. Traffic was bad. Weather was generally good. Uh, that was pretty much the only things I knew coming in and I was, I was okay with that. Yeah. Did you, how did you feel about like when you were trying to set out on your acting career, which I give you kudos, you're doing a great job with, um, how, what was your expectations or what, did you have any markers in your head? Like I need to join the union at this time. I need to find an agent at that time. And this is how I'm going to do it. How was that? Uh, you know, not just LA, but possibly the acting career as well, as far as your expectations versus what, what has happened, how it's happened and the time frame it's happened. Job guys on YouTube. That was for you, Cody. That was specifically for you. You're Don't welcome. Get up. Don't get um, up. Stay here. It's okay. The- I, I missed that. what did you say? I don't know. Um, I didn't have a timeline, so I had a I had goals in my head that I wanted to at some point achieve. But I I always thought it was self defeating to be like I need to be in such and such a place in two years or four years or five years or whatever. Um, and there are people around me that would always encourage that, like, well, how long are you going to give yourself? Like until it's not worth it anymore. When it stops being worth it to me, then I will find something else to do. If it continues to be worth it to me, then I will continue doing it because. I'm not living my life on somebody else's timeline. Um, So uh, things that I wanted to accomplish. Now, some of these sound ridiculously simple today, but there was a lot more to it back then because we're old folks. Um, One was, I mean, obviously, you know, uh, get SAG eligible. I wasn't super eager to join the union right away, but the eligibility was important. So that was being able to, if I needed to, was, was very uh, important to not have that roadblock. So that was obviously, you know, a very big one that I wanted to, to cross off that list. Once I was eligible, I waited a few years before I actually uh, took the, took the plunge. I think it was probably a, a good move. Um, getting a credit on the IMDB was a really cool idea to me. Now, now that's incredibly easy to do, but back then they were a lot more selective about what they would or wouldn't, uh, post. And actually it was my first, uh, SAG gig that, that accomplished that. I did a kind of a last minute, like featured thing on, uh, on cold case, the show that was, it was in its first season on CBS and I got a, an IMDB credit from it. And, and, to this day, it's the first one there. Then I'm like, oh, well, that's kind of awesome. Like I kind (laughs) of, it's like a little bit of a souvenir. Um, So that was a big deal at the time that it happened. I said, now the IMDb is a lot kind of easier to navigate, but there it was, they were kind of much bitchier back then about what what they would and wouldn't list. Um, So that was one, uh, seeing myself in a trailer, because I've always been a, a big, you know, mark for, for movie trailers or, you know, even TV trailers. And I ended up briefly in the cold case trailer for that episode, which was kind of awesome. I heard that also aired during the Grammy awards, which I didn't see personally, but I thought that was kind of cool. Apparently that promo aired during the Super Bowl and the Grammys that year. Cause the, the episode aired during sweeps week. I did not get any, uh, residuals for my, uh, my appearance in that, but that's okay. I'm sure that check is just in the mail. Um, then let's see, where were some other ones? Oh, and then, uh, I, I was in the trailer for the first movie that I produced, which was, uh, the miracle man, which was a feature feature film that felt like cheating a little bit as far as knocking the, the trailer goal off of there using that. But I mean, it still counts. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm still, I'm still, uh, I'm, I'm still considering that, uh, uh, that the first time that had occurred, um, so it was like it was stuff like that, and then really it was more the general goal of just being able to support myself financially to where I wasn't 
like completely feeling under the gun and stressed out every month to get like rent paid and stuff while being able to pursue the things that I love to do. That, that was really the, the ultimate goal, which is always the ultimate goal. And, you know, I don't see that necessarily changing. Yeah. That's, that's good stuff, man. It's just, it was always interesting to me to find out because the three of us were going to be on the show, um, you know, simultaneously. And I was just like, you know, it's really, we can say this person, we met him and they introduced us and we know how the whole story goes. But when it all comes down to it, we all, you know, made that trek and we all traveled to Los Angeles, California in pursuit of a dream. What's your dream? And, uh, it was, it's just really awesome that that city, we all like a lot of people in Los Angeles came from, from all over and uh, rolled into town and uh, had a lot of ambition, a lot of dreams, and just our youthful expectations or preconceived notions of what Los Angeles was and what the actor's lifestyle and career was versus, you know, what happened, both good and bad or, you know, the, the same. So it was just very interesting to me to, to have that conversation real quick on this show. Yeah. Well, especially at the time, Cody, that you and I got there, because we got there around the same mm-hmm. time. Jason, you were there a few years prior. But at the time Cody and I got there, it was definitely a period of transition for the industry. When I got there, black and white headshots were still the standard, but they wouldn't be within the next year, two years, three years, because the, the cost had gone way down. So then color headshots really became the thing. Digital photography became much more uh, common. You know, it would it would be a few more years later where YouTube would suddenly become a thing. And all of a sudden, there's this distribution platform on the internet where anybody could kind of post anything. I mean, obviously, within reason. Um, and so it was... And the the technology would be get a lot more advanced and drive the cost down. So it was, you were kind of Jason more at the tail end of the traditional business model. Yeah, I was. And Cody and I, and yeah, and Cody and I just happened to get there right at the beginning of where everything really started changing and has continued to. Yeah, exactly. And that that shift in uh, in technology and approach and availability and distribution and so forth, I mean, it revolutionized this uh, this industry, you know, and then if you get into smartphones and iPhones and you can shoot a movie on your goddamn phone now and let let alone talking about the development of the Instagram influencers and these other subgenres of people that are now somehow making it. I guess. I mean, I don't classify them as as actors in any capacity, but they're certainly they have their own side contract. But now. Exactly right. They have created a new form, which makes me kind of sick. But hey, good for you. You've you've done it. It's not what I wanted to do, but um, you know, expanding is uh, is part of the part of the business. You know, is finding new new ways and new civilizations. Um, yeah, I uh, I think the fact that we all took this. Star Trek to get to Los Angeles is uh, pretty impressive, and here we are today. Well, also the uh, on the industry side, the influencing is just it's just where the evolution of advertising has gone to. And unfortunately, like I'm not a fan of the Kardashians, but they were really at the forefront of that, where they basically people underestimated or misunderstood what it was that they did or what they were doing. Where it's like, well, they don't do anything. It's like, oh no. They do. They are the absolute um, distilled, purified version of human advertising that you were ever... They were their own ad agency. And that, you know, they weren't the only ones. You know, Paris Hilton actually became before uh, Kardashian, but, I mean, same kind of deal. But basically, 
that became the new the new era for the advertising industry. And the advertising industry has always been what has driven the entertainment industry mm-hmm. across the board. Absolutely. All right, so final subject of the week, gentlemen. And um, Jason, you and I talked about this on a hideout many, many years ago. <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> CM Punk has returned. The prodigal son has come back. I think at the time, seven years ago, we were both like, ah, he'll probably be back in a few months. <laughs> we we kind of missed the mark on that. Uh, he came back to the most thunderous fucking ovation I think I have ever heard, at least in the modern mm-hmm. wrestling era. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that could possibly match it was when Daniel Bryan was at WrestleMania 30 and you can't compare them because that crowd was so much larger than what the United center was obviously big advantage over the fact that punk was in Chicago, his hometown, but at the same time he earned that crowd in Chicago. So folks, even if you're not a wrestling fan, look up CM Punk returns, AEW, you will hear one of the most genuine rabid crowd reactions that you will ever hear in any medium in any lifetime. And for anybody to say that this dude is not a draw, was not a draw, was overrated or won't have any type of marginal effect on AEW's, you know, ticket sales ratings moving forward. I mean, exhibit a, Cody, did you happen to watch this or no? Is this Jason and I that are just going to be rapping on this one? No, no. I, uh, I actually watched it a little while ago, and uh, I, I've always been curious about CM Punk um, and some of these other guys that you, both you and Jason and some other f- friend acquaintances I have that are really big into wrestling uh, ha- have spoken of over the years. And uh, I, uh, I was kind of in awe of the pop that he got. I saw you, you know, share the post uh, about his entrance and I'm like, all right, all right yeah. let's, let's, let's see what this guy's all about. And, uh, he seems just about as authentic a- as a pro wrestler can be. Like, he seems like this is who he is and, um, you know, you can like it or you can leave it, but you know, it seems like a lot of people really appreciate, um, how he is as much as who he is. I, I, I may have seen a few matches or bits and pieces um, on YouTube or whatever over the years, but, you know, I'm, you know, based on you guys talking about it, about him, and I'm sorry, is Brian Danielson? Is that right? Yes. Uh, coming back. Like, I, I'm really excited to, to watch some of, um, you know, these, these, I don't know if they're legends, but hyper-talented folk that I never got a chance to see in in a wrestling arena that is not controlled by Vince McMahon because that's part of why I bowed out. After the Attitude Era, it just it just felt watered down and same old, same old. And I know I missed some good stuff in that in that era, but um, you know, on the whole, I want to see. I want to see something that that people are excited about, and um, this this feels ab- again about as genuine as as it gets. So, um, yeah, looking forward to it. Well, if we want to converse, and Jason, I'll throw it to you in one moment. If we want to uh, compare that to the the hottest ticket that WWE has had, um, they had the hottest ticket in wrestling a couple years ago, where it was Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey. 
Those two had both been built up separately and had captured lightning in a bottle. Lynch especially. Rousey already kind of came in with that type of momentum from the UFC, which is a credit to her. But that wasn't anything that Vince had anything to do with in, in creating. So you had something that people really wanted to see that really had public excitement behind it. And Vince McMahon throws Charlotte in that main event and makes it a triple threat because he likes Charlotte. So we never even got the singles match between Ronda Rousey and Becky Lynch. And then coincidentally, a couple days after Punk makes his long-awaited return, someone else makes their long-awaited return. Not nearly as long, but, you know, it's been over a year. Uh, Becky Lynch returns at SummerSlam, and they immediately just put her over the champion that they've been building without even a match beats her in like two seconds. And now the rumor is that she's going to be a heel. Um, fuck WWE. Um, the, the punk return could not have been better. Even Jim Cornette, who hates everything associated with <laughs> AEW said, this wasn't what I would have done. This was better than what I would have done. And, and, and put it over like gangbusters. Like there was nothing that could have gone better in this thing. I don't think Jason, your thoughts. Well, I want everybody out there, uh, and we've talked about it before, who never got to see CM Punk, which is, it's odd that I'm saying this, but it is true because you do have people out there like uh, Joe Baca. You got people out there like Eddie Gizmo Gomez. You got our people, like you got Commander Cody, who they are wrestling fans sort of through us, some of them, and a lot of the listeners out there uh, start watching wrestling. I mean, obviously not Omar. He's right up there with you and I, Dave. But the thing is, and, and Steve Lima too, but uh, they did not see CM Punk do CM Punk shit. And a lot of us didn't even get to see everything he could do that are wrestling marks because Vince, yeah. of course, fucking owned everything it was unbelievable that that fucking uh straight edge society storyline in my opinion ever even got goddamn done it's an amazing uh, thing to me that they even let him have the pipe bomb promo it's amazing to me that he got to have that um you know money in the bank match with john cena and it ended the way it did all of that is fucking phenomenal that that even goddamn happened in the vince mcmahon lockdown fucking environment so to see cm punk now Seven years fucking later, or whatever it's goddamn been, be in be in AEW, and they're going to allow him a lot more creative control. I mean, I you just can't get any fucking better, like we've said before. And once again, if you haven't seen what this guy can do and what the other and they are legends coming to AEW are going to do, now's the fucking time to watch professional wrestling because i mean this is as big as it fucking gets and it's hard to it's it's really it's not an overstatement i mean that ovation that happened in chicago was beyond a road warrior pop that's something up there with fucking that's a steve austin ovation that's a rock ovation yep. it's something that hasn't happened in decades decades and what's really amazing is not just that clip the AEW sent out of the I think it's like seven fucking minutes or something I don't even know how long it is of him coming down to the ring and just watching people ball their eyes out that wrestling Jesus has fucking returned but then the promo. but then it's the promo yeah it's the, the I want people to watch that too that when they came back on air and there was a seven minute promo where he is off the cuff discussing 
what happened, why he did what he did. He did it for his own mental health. What he took these years off and he's returning for other people and himself. It was a great, perfect CM Punk goddamn promo as usual because it's genuine. It's a shoot promo. It's authentic. And this is why we love him. So I want you guys to watch that too. It's readily available on YouTube. And he pivoted immediately to his upcoming in-ring mm-hmm. debut at the pay-per-view all-out in Chicago against Darby Allen. Mm-hmm. That man did business. He did great. And what's uh, what I want to say is something I didn't notice until I watched it again tonight. Some person has this little dink fucking sign <laughs> that could not have summed it up any better. But you can see it if you look for it. It says, I mean, it looked like it was done in just a big pen. It says, WWE, we wish you all the best in your future endeavors. <laughs> I think that's the perfect note to end the show on. Jason or Cody or both of you, however y'all want to decide to tag team on this, uh, where could the dozens let us know what they think about anything that we have discussed this evening? You can always reach us at our brand new, wonderful email. Make sure not to cross the streams. Here it comes. Ask Dave and Jason at ProtonMail.com Because, well, goddammit. Fuck you, Dr. Cosby. Eat a dick. And on that note, I am Dave Bogart. And I am still your Jason Bailey. And I am Commander Cody Murray. And Chewbacca still sucks, as do the 49ers. And bitch. we'll one day closer to dead, and that day will not, it will not die. Something, something, something today. So until next week. We're out. Joey's coming to fucking kill you.